Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. Welcome back, fam. We are here with another episode in our series on the book of Proverbs. We are making good progress. We are on Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28 this time around, and we are going to have a great time going through it. We also have a, uh, a particular question that came in that we are going to address uh, here on the podcast for the benefit of everyone that may have a similar question or that kind of thing. But before we get into that, of course, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share what you're listening to. Think of somebody that might benefit from this series, maybe from things in this particular episode, whatever it might be, and actually share it with them. You know, throw the link into Messenger, copy the link in a, in a text and send it to them. It's very important to get the Word of God uh, into the hands of folks that really are hungry for it and searching for what God has to say. So definitely uh, do those things, and if you have a question, podcast at breadbreakers.com. Very easy, right? Our website, breadbreakers.com. So the email is podcast at breadbreakers.com because we're answering these questions on the podcast. So uh, one question that came in, uh, many of you probably already know that this, uh, this channel uh, on YouTube specifically we also uh, we also share like sermons and stuff from from uh, Sundays. There's different pastors and people that, that preach and stuff on Sundays, and so we share that as well. Um, a few weeks ago, there was uh, a question that came in uh, regarding something that I said in one of my uh, in one of my sermons. Now, in the in the sermon itself. This was not like a like a major thing. I just kind of said it in passing because we were talking about the need for uh, discipleship and making disciples and that kind of thing. But we we opened up to Matthew chapter twenty eight verse nineteen, and I was talking through it. Just go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So that's Matthew 28, 19, and 20 in the ESV. Now, when I came to the portion, I was just talking through the Scripture, and I was actually getting to verse 20, um, talking about observing everything that, that Jesus has commanded. And um, <clears throat> I just made mention, look, he's baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said, look, obviously we know the apostles uh, knew what Jesus meant by that, because they went out and they always baptized in the name of Jesus. And you know, I just kind of said that and you know, I, I think I made a I may I may have also said, you know, the other the other option there is that they 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 heard what he said and then went out and did the opposite of what he said or something different than what he said, like every single one of the apostles. And so someone kind of took issue with that and said, hey, how do you know what they were thinking? How do you know what was going on you know, in their mind when, uh, when they were going out? And frankly, they were saying that you know, 
baptizing in the name of Jesus doesn't sound, that, that does not sound valid. And so I think I'm going to answer that question here on the podcast. We have done some um, uh, pod, I'm losing my train of thought because I'm trying to multitask. You know how you like when you multitask and uh, you don't do either any of the tasks that you're supposed to be doing, you don't do them well. <laughs> it's like you're doing three things at once, but none of them actually get done well. I was doing that just now. Uh, anyway, sorry about that. I was, I was bringing up um, the uh, the book of Luke chapter 24 and uh, verse 45, because this is going to help me answer this question in toto. Um, so I... Uh, I have done a full podcast on this before on, on, on baptism, like is it necessary and what it's all about. And we've we've done that over the over the course of um, um, the life of the YouTube channel. Now on the podcast itself, the podcast is a couple of years old, whereas the YouTube channel is older than that, so there may not be as many on the podcast. And maybe we should go ahead and just do a deeper dive on this, do a do a series on this or something. To make it uh, to make it you know more up to date and um, and really answer this question because I'm only taking a few minutes here I think you should go study it and uh, hey if you've got more questions again podcast at breadbreakers.com happy to answer those specific questions so here we go how do we know what they were thinking or how do we know what you know how, that they followed his instructions well let's go look at this Matthew 24:45 says then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And then, of course, he goes in, right? Verse 47, repentance, forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Let's go ahead and read that. He opened their mind to understand the scriptures. This is Luke 24, 45. Verse 46 says, he told them this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is verse 48, and then verse 49 says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So, exact same setting as that in Matthew, except in Luke, it gives us some explanation. It says he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So they they understood. They understood what he was getting at. And actually, in Luke, it says uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, referring to the Messiah. Now, if I said, what's the name of the Messiah? Everybody would say Jesus. If I said, what's the name of the Son? Everybody would say Jesus. Uh, everybody who you know knows anything about the Bible, really. And, you know, so what's the his name? His name is Jesus. And so just because Matthew uh, uses a little different wording or phrasing, baptize them in the name of the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the apostles went out and baptized in the name of Jesus every single time. I mean, you see that every single time. If you go and you look at Acts 2, uh, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, anywhere where it specifically states how they were baptized, baptized. Now, it doesn't do that in every circumstance. In some circumstances, it just says they were baptized and doesn't elaborate. And so you're open to, well, how do they do it? I don't know. It doesn't say. Well, I just named the places where it does say. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Not one of them 
says they baptized using the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or repeating the, the words Father, Son, Holy Spirit, nowhere. It just says it was done in the name of Jesus. And so I think it's a very logical conclusion to say that when Jesus said this to them, they understood that the name he was referring to was the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is the name of Jesus Christ. This goes very well you know, with, well, let's say, Philippians 2, that at the name of Jesus every knee will, will bow and every tongue confess, right? The, the high, I'll say highest name, that name is Jesus. That's the name that God chose uh, to be the name above all names. In uh, Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that there's no salvation, right? We're not saved by any other name. And when you look at the context, that's Acts 4.12, right? You go back and you read 1 through 11, and you see it's talking about Jesus. And so when it says, for there's no other name, it's talking about the name of Jesus. And you can go to Colossians 3.17, where it says all that we do in word or deed should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? Now, these things do say to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of... That's fine. Uh, no, no problem with that at all. The issue is, what is the name that we are referring to? What is that name? What name is everybody going to bow to? What name should we pray in? What name are we saved by? And yes, what name should we baptize in? The name is the name of Jesus, and I I would issue a, not really a challenge, but a uh, an open-minded search of the Scriptures. Find, I can, I can find, like I just said, several instances where the apostles all baptized in the name of Jesus. It wasn't just Peter or Paul or Philip. Uh, it was all of them, because in Acts 2, the Bible lets us know that all the apostles were there that day, listening and in agreement with Peter's message, where Peter said, baptize in the name of Jesus. And uh, then you see that that carried down into people that weren't the original 12, because Philip goes out in Acts 8, he's baptizing in the name of Jesus. And then you see that it spread even to when Paul was brought in, the gospel he was preaching, he was baptizing people in the name of Jesus. And you see that in... Um, in Acts chapter 19. And of course, when he met with them, when you compare Acts with Galatians, and it talks about how Paul met with the apostles and they compared the gospel they were preaching. They were preaching the same message, preaching the same stuff. So we know this, but some people just have a hard time accepting it. And, you know, again, my job as a teacher, a pastor, someone who loves people and wants people to come to truth and revelation of the Word of God. My job is not to make people accept it or force people to uh, believe a certain thing. My job is to show what the scriptures say, and then your job is to let God open your heart, open your mind to receive what his word says. But I think, again, that every single place they baptize in the name of Jesus— not a single place can you find where they baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because that's not a name. What What's the name? The name is Son. No, his name is Jesus. The name is Holy Spirit. That's not a name. Neither is Father. Okay? What's the name he was referring to? Well, 
You and I can argue that, but apparently the apostles thought it was the name of Jesus, so I'm going to go with what they thought, because they were given the understanding, and they were the ones who were given the the preaching and teaching of the Word to institute the church. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with them. So, 100%, it's Jesus' name, where you can find how they did it. 0% any other way. Okay? Third, we have all these scriptures that lets us know that the, the name of salvation, the name above all names, the name that God has chosen is Jesus Christ for the salvation of men, for the church, uh, for the world today. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the name. I think that's some pretty strong evidence to say, yeah, yeah, they understood. They knew what he was talking about. And they went out and they obeyed him and baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that name is Jesus. So, podcast at breadbreakers.com. Disagree? Um, let me know. But don't just say, hey, I disagree. Show me where the thinking is wrong. Show me where the logic is wrong. Um, but more importantly, not, you know, not just the logic. Scripturally, where is it done differently? And, and again, people will say, well, it's, it's anyway. Okay, you could say that, but the Bible doesn't say it's anyway, baptized any old way. And I only see one way that it's actually done. So why would we do it a different way and then say, well, God, surely God would accept this? Maybe he will, but why would we play games like that? <laughs> we have a clear example every 100% hit rate in the book of Acts. We have very clear examples. Well, I don't understand why we wouldn't just do it that way. Um, I mean, I do. <laughs> That's more of a tongue-in-cheek. I do understand why people do it differently, but they don't do so because of an honest reading of the Scripture. They do it more from tradition and um, and things like that. So, again, I'm happy to see where I'm wrong. I've done, I've, I have changed my mind on many, many things through my, through the course of my walk with Christ, and I'm sure I will change my mind on things in the future, but it always has to be because the Word of God has changed my mind, not because some handbook, some organization, some human reasoning or something like that got me to change my mind. So, love y'all. Hope that was helpful. It took about, what, 12, 13 minutes to do that. But I think it's a great question, worthwhile. Thank you for the person who asked, uh, asked it. Thank you for the person who asked it, you know, from the book of Acts. No, who asked it. And uh, podcast at breadbreakers.com if you have a question and you'd like us to address that question. No topic is off limit. Um, so ask away. Now, we're going to dive into Proverbs chapter 28. Ready, set, go. Verse 1, the wicked flee when no one pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. I love that verse because uh, I've seen people use it like when they don't want to like go on a run. I and I can't stand running. I, I just I don't know why. It's just so, so like boring to me. But I think maybe I love listening to podcasts and stuff. So maybe if I like listen to a podcast and just got out there and just did that, and the main thing was like listen, getting some time to listen to this podcast while I'm running, maybe I could do it. Um, but if you ever just don't want to run. The wicked flee when no one pursues. Okay, so don't be wicked. <laughs> but the righteous are bold as a lion. Right now, obviously, bold in the context of not bold for some stupid cause that God is you know, against, but bold as a lion. The righteous, got to put it in context, 
Because uh, we can't see someone that's bold as a lion and be like, oh, use this verse. No, are they bold towards something that's a righteous cause, righteous to, determined by God, or are they just being bold for a foolish cause? Uh, number two, when a land transgresses, it has many rulers, but with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. This is an interesting one because it helps us to get into a mindset of um, a, a good way to govern a society. Uh, lots of differing opinions pulling one way or the other, and there's really no set direction. Uh, it, it doesn't really work well if you're trying to establish some kind of larger, say, centralized government. Now, um, again, I think the buck needs to stop with someone, and uh, preferably it's the man of understanding and knowledge and one who is righteous before the Lord. But it, it is much more helpful when, when we are not as broken up into factions, all these little uh, individual things going on, individual agendas, but we can have a kind of a singularity of direction. Now, if it's a singularity of direction and it's evil, that's not good either. Um, so we want it to be based on someone that is godly, righteous, has understanding and knowledge, and all these things. Uh, verse 3, a poor man who oppresses the poor is a beating rain that leaves no food. Now that's interesting because a lot of times we think it's like this poor rich versus poor dichotomy, but it's not. There are poor folks who oppress other poor folks. And so we need to judge people by, as Martin Luther King said, uh, you know, the, the content of their character. Not the color of their skin, not their background, not their uh, not their socioeconomic status, not how much money they have. Uh, none of those things. We should judge by actions, judge by character, and really we should judge by by actions, not even necessarily by outcomes. Somebody can do the absolute wrong thing and have a good outcome. That's still bad. That's still bad, right? That, again, I go to go to something like right the. Uh, the Marvel movies, right, where Thanos trying to save the universe by killing half the universe. I mean, I guess in the end, he kind of, sort of, in a twisted, crazy way had, you know, had a sympathetic, like, oh, man, you know, his planet was destroyed. He lived through this, this poor guy. What's his solution? Kill half the people in the universe. Ah, do we have an option two, right? So... Again, ends don't justify means, and this is big in religious circles because we as religious people can, right, uh, Christianize or use the Bible or other religious books to justify evil because at the end of the day, it's going to be, it's, it's good. Uh, no, we shouldn't do that. And so we need to realize somebody's wealth doesn't determine their character. We need to look at character. We need to look at actions. Um, that's what we need to to determine and look at. Uh, people need to be godly. And I'm not saying don't look at results. I'm not saying like, oh, it's a great idea and it just is horrible, horrible, horrible. But, oh, well, I'm not saying never look at results or anything like that. I'm saying we need to look deeper. We need to look at the things that really matter. Um, so those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against them. Again, right? Wickedness, lawlessness, they kind of go together. Verse 5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. 
Uh, when we seek the Lord, we will have a, a, a sense of the Lord's righteousness, the Lord's law, the Lord's justice, and of course those who you know, are wicked. Now, evil people don't have that. And this is why in society you find that as a society gets more and more secular, more and more away from God, they really do become more and more evil. And even doing things that even other evil people or other sinners look at and go, that's horrible. They don't even know God's law, but they realize this is horrible. But that's because, again, you get away from God and you get away from his justice and his law. You start to deteriorate rapidly. Uh, verse 6, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Again, getting back to the, the character, the, the things that really matter, and not your socioeconomic status, not your wealth, and this kind of stuff. Verse 7, the one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Again, this idea of keeping the law and having understanding, and also kind of whittling in or bringing in that, that idea of parents... Um, sort of being proud of their children and, and wanting their children to be people who are, you know, upright, productive, godly, uh, this kind of uh, attitude towards your children. And that's why it's important to train them up uh, how they should go. We should, we should do the training. We should push ourselves to be better parents. Uh, verse 8, whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. Now, we see in Scripture over and over and over that there is there is this attitude of God that we should take care of those who are less fortunate, the poor, the widow, the orphan, right? And that is true, but you don't see where it should be a man taking from another man to give to the poor. A man determining, well, this law says we are going to make you do good. That's not what, what should happen. We, again, getting back to the thing I just said, inside, our character should be such that we want to care for people who are less fortunate. Now, again, I think we need to use biblical terms, right? You can look up, you know, interest or usury and profit, uh, uh, it's not saying that oh, you can't make money. If you make any profit, right, as in accounting profit, <laughs> right? if you don't do that, you don't have a dime to give to the poor. You're going to be poor yourself, right? If, you're, if your income, if your expenses equal your income, you have no way of giving to the poor, right? So look those up for yourself, but I'm going to focus more on the poor, Right? We've talked about this before, the biblical definition of somebody who's poor. Um, again, we need to look at those things because that's not saying some you know, lazy person that's getting a government check, that doesn't want to go work, that's made you know, gobs and gobs of bad decisions and continues to do so and is lazy and all this stuff. That, that's, that's not, no. That, that, it doesn't say be generous to people just because they don't have as much money as they think they should. It's talking about poor folks. And biblically, there, there's a type of poor person that the Bible is thinking of, that God is thinking of when, when these people are writing about the poor. Um, verse 9, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. See, God, you know, he is not obligated just because somebody like pays lip service, they look up and, hey, God, 
He's not obligated to hear or answer their prayer. Um, and God does lean more toward right the prayers of the godly, the prayers of those who follow after his laws. He, he is partial toward that. He doesn't have to answer anybody's prayer, but he's partial toward that. And he will answer and hear the prayer of a sinner or things like that. I mean, he can, you know, but generally he's going to be leading that sinner to, hey, come on over here and, and stop being a sinner. But I think scriptures like this are, are good, right? Even his prayer is an abomination. Wow. Verse 10, whoever misleads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will have a goodly inheritance. Again, getting to that uh, character. Verse 11, a rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. So again, just because somebody is wealthy does not make them a person of understanding. We need to get that, uh, you know, the Bible talks about buy the truth and sell it not, right? So verse 12, when the righteous triumph, there's great glory, but when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Amen and amen. And again, getting to kind of a societal thing, a governmental uh, aspect, uh, we want righteous people. We really kind of do want righteous people to be uh, in places of government and decision-making authority and that kind of thing, because when it's not, yeah, but hide yourself. Um, verse 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Now, I intend to teach a whole sermon on this on Sunday, actually, and um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but um, by the time this, I say Sunday, well, for you who are listening to this, this would have been last Sunday. <laughs> Maybe I should clarify. Uh, so I'll, I'll just kind of, I'll give a quick overview here, but you can go back and listen to the message from last Sunday, because this is what I'm going to be teaching on, unless God, you know, changes that, moves in a different direction, something along those lines. Very difficult to make a podcast like this, right? I haven't done it yet. I think I'm going to, but sometimes God, you know, moves and says, oh, I'd really go in a different direction. But I think this is going to be it. So, um, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. God wants people to bring things into the light. You know, First John, right, where it talks about if we, um, if we sin, right? If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, right? If we walk in the light, First John one, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, right? And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins. Now, if we walk in the light, if we bring things into the light, uh, we can go to James where it talks about confessing our sins to one another. We can. Um, we can go to various places in the Scripture that talk about having sorrow, like 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's chapter 7, where it talks about uh, having sorrow that leads to repentance. We need to, first and foremost, not conceal the transgression. Not conceal it. Don't hide it. Uh, as I think I said on Sunday... <laughs> Uh, kind of speaking in the future right now, but it'll be the past when you're listening to this. Um, when you mess up, you need to fess up. Okay? When you mess up, you need to fess up. 
I, as a pastor, am not nearly concerned about a mess-up than I am a cover-up. When people try to conceal and cover things up and just act like things are fine, and that's what, what's concerning. Because what we really want is we want someone, not that I want to hear everybody's business and all that stuff, but what we really need is that repentance, someone to truly repent. Repent does not mean, oh, I got caught. Oh, I'm sorry. All of a sudden, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Repent means I truly am sorry for what I did, and I'm leaning on God's forgiveness, and I'm going to be better going forward. I'm going to push to not do this again. That's true repentance. It's a change. And so that's why it says, he who confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy. It's not just, oh, I confess, now I'm good. Confession needs to lead to that forsaking, which is the repentance side. So nice little overview there. Go back and watch the whole thing. Verse 14, blessed is the one who fears. Oh, just so you know, if you're listening to this on Spotify, the messages are on YouTube, our YouTube channel. Um, we also have a sermons um, uh, a sermons playlist. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, it's a playlist of the, the Sunday sermons and stuff, and so you can go back and, and watch it there. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not... Uh, I already read that one. That's verse 13. Verse 14, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Again, keeping that heart toward the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord that's supposed to be there. Uh, you know, yeah, okay, you know, God, God mm, you've got to be careful with that whole, like, God is my buddy, God's my bestie, God's my homeboy type of attitude. The kind of bestie, buddy, and homeboy that also can turn you into a pile of ash if you step out of line and don't revere them properly, right? So you just, just got to keep that, that, that line of separation there. Yes, he, he is the friend, sticks closer than a brother. He is he is a, a, a friend to those, again, not just any old person that says, I'm the friend of God. I am the friend of God. Um, nothing wrong with that song, but any old person who sings that song is not the friend of God just because you go to church. It doesn't make you the friend of God. Just because you claim to be a Christian doesn't make you the friend of God. Uh, Abraham was called the friend of God. Why? Uh, because he had faith. He obeyed. He had actions that uh, made his faith uh, complete, according to the book of James. So we need to, you know, take things in context. Don't just sing about something you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I'm the friend of God. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, God's friends are those who uh, love and obey him. That's his friends. So verse 15 says, like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. Again, getting to that kind of government, rulership. It, it, when, when people have leaders that are sinful, that are wicked, that are lawless, I know what you're, you might be thinking, <laughs> oh, bummer, that's me. Um, it's not a good thing. We should pray for our leaders. We should pray for our rulers. We should pray that we can live peaceable, godly lives uh, but when there's wickedness at the top, it is a bad thing. It is a bad thing. Verse 16, a ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Again, getting the attitude of how a ruler 
um, should rule. Verse 17, if one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, Taking the life of someone, obviously, very serious in the eyes of God. Uh, As are many other things, like uh, stealing, lying, adultery. Um, But this one is particularly talking about that. Verse 18, Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. He who walks in integrity will be delivered. Again, we don't just get to spout slogans and and um, you know make claim to Scripture just because we read it, it applies to us. No, there are a lot of if-then uh, concepts within the Scriptures. Verse 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. I love how they do that there. Plenty of bread versus plenty of poverty. And again, what's the difference? The one who's out there being productive, working, got the work ethic going. You know, I like the productivity aspect because you can do a job that doesn't really produce anything. And generally, again, you know, that that just isn't isn't a good way to go. You want to be producing some product or service that others desire. Um, again, product or service that others desire. Working the land. What's on the land? You're going to get crops, food, this, you know, provision, this kind of thing. Verse 20, a faithful man will abound with blessing, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Once again, you know, kind of slow and go. It, Hey, I, I'd love to be. I'd love for somebody to look at me and be like, man, that dude is rich. Um, fine. Great. Awesome. I mean, not because I want the other person to think I'm rich, but someone else objectively to see this person is rich, right? Because if that's truly happening, then you, you probably are, right? If you're objectively. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I would not be my... my mind that at all. Would you? Would you mind being wealthy? I mean, would you just be like, oh, no, 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 I I just absolutely not. Of course, most people would rather be wealthy as opposed to the opposite or rich as opposed to the opposite. Um, The issue is not chasing after riches, chasing after being wealthy, uh, trying to, you know, hasten it, make it go faster. Again, chasing after wealth is a whole different thing than saying, yeah, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to provide, I'm going to try and come up with good ideas and be productive and, um, you know, meet customer needs or be a great employee or whatever it is, be an entrepreneur. And yeah, wouldn't mind being wealthy. But if you're going to sacrifice your, your, your time with God, your relationship with God, your ministry, your family, all of these things to get that wealth, it's not a good trade, not a good trade. And so, again, we need to have things in perspective. But there's nothing wrong with having riches, wealth, abundance. Nothing wrong with it at all. The Bible does not say being rich is bad or having uh, having wealth is a sin or money is evil. None of that. We've talked about that already. But it just doesn't. It's the attitude toward those things. It's how you get those things. It's what you think do with those things or how you perceive others now that you've arrived is these kinds of things which are really more character related than the you know the riches themselves verse 21 to show partiality is not good but for a piece of bread a man will do wrong yikes um 
Again, showing partiality throughout the scriptures, the Bible says that God does not show partiality, and so we really should not show partiality. And and again, more in like a, kind of that justice sense. Of course, we're more part, you know, partial to our kid. Uh, uh, we 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 have a love for our immediate family. Yeah, we might love somebody else's family, but I mean, it's not the exact same kind of love that we have for our own family. Of course not. The Bible even says to do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. Was that mean? Oh, partiality. No, this is in the context, again, where you're, you've got an equal situation here, and then we're going to show partiality, right? And of course, like places like Book of James, specifically, you're showing partiality because somebody's got money or whatever. We just, we shouldn't be like that. Uh, verse 22, a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Again, reiterating the same thing that we said before. Verse 23, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Talked about this last time, where a true friend is going to give you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Verse 24, whoever robs his father or his mother and says that is no transgression is a companion to a man who destroys well, amen and amen. We already talked about how God uh, does not like theft and uh, nor lying, and there's lots of things. But um, yeah, can again in their own mind, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, just because you say don't that you didn't do anything wrong does not mean you didn't. Verse 25: A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Again, see, getting to this attitude of chasing after, you're greedy. You are doing things because you're stingy. Like all this kind of stuff is not the way to be enriched. Trust in the Lord. Have a righteous attitude toward things like money and wealth. Be a hard worker. That's a way to get enriched. Verse 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. See, uh, just, well, this is what I think. This is my truth. I mean, it's huge right now. This relativism, this idea that, you know, my truth, speak my truth. Your truth may be a ridiculous bundle of nonsense. And so we need to uh, have the, the wherewithal, the understanding, the knowledge, the wisdom to be able to balance what we think is true with what is actually true. That's wisdom, right? Having knowledge and rightly applying it. And so we need to... Be careful. This is what I think. We need to be careful about that because what we think may be wrong. Uh, sometimes handed down collective um, received wisdom is the right way to go. Just because it's a traditional thing, just because it's been handed down and people have believed this for, you know, centuries, doesn't all of a sudden make it wrong. Well, I'm here now. This is 2022. I've got a cell phone. You know, there's Google now. So <laughs> I tell you what, man. A lot of people have all this ability to learn and grow, all this knowledge at their fingertips, and yet, in many places, in many situations, we are dumber than ever before. We know less about anything than ever before, but we've seen a lot more funny cat videos. Seriously, you have books that you don't even have to go to the library. You just throw them on your cell phone and listen to them while you're riding a bike. And yet, instead of that, we're listening to nonsense, some, you know, or watching silly stuff that is of no value. Um, we need to walk in wisdom. Verse 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes 
will get many a curse. Again, man, just over and over and over and over hitting this attitude toward money, toward our heart for those in need. Uh, get the wealth, but but then give to those who are truly in need. I didn't say just give to any old bum that says they want it, but give to those who are truly in need. Yeah, have money, have wealth, have riches so that then you can be a blessing to others and God can use you as a conduit to bless and to increase his kingdom. Verse 28, when the wicked rise, people hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. So again, that kind of um, kind of contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And see, it says when the wicked rise. I mean, there are times where wickedness abounds. There are times where rulers over countries or regions or whatever, the wicked are the ones that take control. The wicked rise up. And many times that happens in the context of God is, he's given people over. He's letting them have what they want. Oh, 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 you want to walk in wickedness? You want to disobey my my precepts? You don't want to have God telling you what to do? Okay, here you go. And a lot of times that's how it happens. So again, we let, why don't we have the righteous rise up now rather than having to suffer through the rule of the wicked for decades? Uh, I think that's a better way to do it, but Unfortunately, a lot of times we have to uh, learn the hard way. We have to learn by going through it. And so when the wicked rise, people going to hide themselves. <laughs> but when they perish, they being the wicked, then what? The righteous increase. So I'm going to drop it right there. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And more importantly, share this with someone. Open up Messenger right now. Click that link on the YouTube video or the podcast, right? Hit the little the little icon to share and send it to somebody. Somebody you you think will benefit from the question we answered at the very beginning of the of the podcast or from this in general or from this uh, from this podcast, right? Just the the totality of it, the content, the things going on. Uh, also podcast at bradburgers.com if you have any questions. That's the email you can reach us at. Love you. God bless you, and we will catch you next week with Proverbs chapter 29. Until then, God bless.